just don't give up. Just keep going. Have that grit. And you won't. And that's that's how I look at this. That's how I look at starting this company and continuing continuing on. Just try try again. Like every successful entrepreneur that I've ever come across, they have failed because you learn from your failures. Uh, right? You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your trials and tribulations. I've only we've only started this business. It's been over a year, and I've learned so much. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the paths they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. Today's guest, Kristen Leffel, has a great story and one that I love. A small town girl who moves to California, turns model, turns actor, and then a stay-at-home mom. Flash forward eight years later, she launches a large brand, Valet. It's the latest rage in pickleball. Learn why Kristen launched the brand, her decision to have partners, and how she manages work-life balance. Also, I love her story about her relationship with her husband, the mentorship she receives, and so much more. There's so much value coming from this podcast that each of you can understand, relate to, And Kristen, frankly, super likable, was great fun, and you're in for a wonderful experience. Kristen, amazing. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. There are so many listeners that want to hear your story, including me. I know that we talked a little bit before the podcast. I knew a little bit about your story, but just going in depth, there's so many takeaways. So welcome. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. So we usually start our show off with a fun fact about you that not many people would know. Share with us what only your intimate friends know about you. No, this is an exciting one. Slightly embarrassing though. I was on a reality show. (laughs) That's awesome. A little fun fact about me. (laughs) That's okay. So do tell what was. I actually went years without telling people about this, about me being on this show. I would only tell like my, my close friends and obviously my family, but I was on Temptation Island and this was many moons ago, circa 2004, I think, 2004, 2005. Did you take away many, le- I'm sure many learning <laughs> lessons from being on Temptation Island? I did. I actually kicked myself off the island. I was there for a week and realized I got there. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm trying to split up these four awesome couples. This is just not me. It's not a part of my character. So I kicked myself off and I met my boyfriend on the single side. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, there you have it, right? Now, did you end up marrying that boyfriend? No, no, definitely not. But he actually kind of uh, helped me move out to California. So I moved out to LA knowing him and one other person. So I can thank him for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Tell me, tell us again and tell our listeners. We'll get into a little bit about your story. Where are you from? I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. 
born and raised. I went to college in Chicago, went to Loyola, Loyola University of Chicago. I studied marketing and management, got hired at Morgan Stanley. I was an intern junior and senior year, got hired my senior year. And I just knew that that wasn't it for me. I took a pause. I regrouped and back to Kansas City for about eight months, worked for my mother. And what did your mother do? What my was, mother, what was um, she was an entrepreneur herself. She started off as a first grade teacher and ended up with three Montessori schools. Wow. Yeah. I'm so proud of her. She doesn't have those schools anymore. She sold those and she buys foreclosed homes and sells them and fixes them up. But so yeah, I went back to Kansas City and helped her with that. And so we have something in common, our family. I don't know if you know this, but my family business was private schools as well. No, I didn't know this about you. Yes. It was preschool through eighth grade. Believe it or not, I was a camp director every summer and then a second grade teacher. I love that. Yes. Yes. I didn't know you were a second grade teacher. I was. Yes. Yes. Long, long time ago. And I will say, uh, and I tell anybody who asks that that was my favorite job without a doubt. Well, it's so rewarding. And it it didn't financially pay the bills and I couldn't live. <laughs> but besides, um, no, we had moved out. And so I had promised, kind of not promised, but I always said to myself with my family, I would never teach at a, another school. And I, you know, it, it was my family business. But so what did you do at Montessori? So three schools. I just helped in with the accounting and office work. So just, yeah, just being around the babies and so, I know you gotta love it. You gotta love it. There's a special place in my heart for teachers, but yeah. So I, I worked for my mom for eight months and realized that that wasn't um, what I wanted to do. I got, I was at a bar one night, got recruited to be on a reality show, went to Roatan, Honduras. (laughs) That's where I met my ex-boyfriend and then moved out to California shortly thereafter. Oh my goodness. So as growing up in the Midwest as a a child, what was your, your aspirations? What did you want to be when you grew up? It sounded like, so you're, you know, oftentimes I find that when we go to college, we're lost and we're having to pick a major. And so it sounds like yours was business marketing around that range. So what did you really, what did Kristen really want to do growing up? I definitely knew that I wasn't going to end up in Kansas City, uh, but there, I loved to travel. I traveled to Europe very early on. I think it was like my sophomore year of college. I knew that there was more out there, that Kansas City was just too small for me. I went the business path. I went up that marketing path, but I wasn't fulfilled in college. I, there, there was something there that was missing. My bucket was not being filled when I think it was just the sign, I, this blessing that I got recruited at this bar in Kansas City to go on the show. And it just, it was that, that aha moment, that, that Oprah moment. Hey, you know, I think I want to go down this path. I want to try to act. I want to try to model. I did a little modeling in Kansas City before I did Miss Teen Missouri as well. Before oh, nice. I got the acting bug. So it wasn't just this like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I, you know, wanted to act. I did have a little bit of that in, in, in my past. Morgan Stanley offers, not you, you decide I'm California bound. And what attracted you to California? I tried the New York route. It was a little too expensive. My mom said, no way am I going to pay your $1,500, $2,000 a month uh, apartment uh, rent. So I thought, hey, California. California is, is for me. It was more reasonable. I knew at least a couple people that were out there. It was daunting though, you know, but I'm one that's up for a challenge. That's what I've learned about myself. I 
can move to California, I can move to Chicago, not knowing anybody and just fit in and adapt. And I think that's actually really helped me in uh, starting this company. Yeah. It's being able to adapt and I'm good with people. I'm a people person and acting. It's wow. It's taught me so much about the, the world <laughs> and life. And tell me about your acting career. So Temptation Island, you come out, kick yourself off. You find a great boyfriend. You decide, shoot, I'm I'm heading to Cali, Southern California, I'm assuming, right? Because this is where you are now. Okay. Yes. What happens next? What are you doing? You're finding yourself out here. You're living in an apartment. Are you, what, what are you doing? And did you come out here for a job? So no, I didn't go out there for a job. I didn't go to LA for a job. I went out there just to hope to find a job. <laughs> to hope to make it in the acting world. And I started off modeling and that helped it segue into, into, into acting. So I just happened to find an awesome agent. She took me under her wing and showed me the ropes, got me to casting. Yeah. Was that, were you doing runway modeling? What kind of modeling were you doing that would Runway you modeling into... was not very popular. It's not very popular in Los Angeles. That's more New York, Milan, Paris. I did a lot of catalog. I did fit modeling. I did, uh, I did a lot of commercials, editorial as well. And then went to, um, to commercials. I did a lot of commercials, any beer commercial you can think of. I've been in, but light Miller, like who was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. And, and so that parlayed you into acting from the commercial side, it sounds like, or that would make the most sense, right? Is that so commercials helped me get into more of like the feature films, the indie films, the short films. Okay. And so you're now an actor and take us through kind of what happens with you then. How does Kristen become an actor? And all of a sudden, what's the gap in between you opening up this fantastic new brand? Right. So I acted for about, I was acting for about 10 years and I was booking work, but you know, one year I do great. And then the next year I wouldn't. And that's just the life of an actor. A lot of people don't understand the, um, the trials and tribulations of being an actor. It's, it's not easy. You have to have the thickest skin in the world. Um, if you didn't have thick skin to, from the get go, you are going to have it. Um, and if you're not careful, LA will, will chew you up and spit you out real fast. <laughs> I've, I think everyone who, you know, knows anything about acting, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for anyone because I, I think it's, it's pretty tough and pretty brutal. It's brutal. I was getting older and realized, Hey, you know, this is probably not going to be my path in the future. I want to have a family. Did I want to have a family in California? in LA. So at that juncture, I was close to potentially moving back home or moving to New York and trying to start a new venture. I met my husband at that point and we moved to Manhattan beach. So a little bit further away from LA, but I was still acting. I was still modeling, still working during that time. I thought to myself, I want to start something on my own. I want to start a business. I want to fill my my bucket, you know, use the knowledge from acting, use the knowledge that I have from my business degree. And so I started a company called KP Style and Image on my own. I think I think we had that up and running. I had that up and running for about a year. And then we had a baby. As everybody knows, having a child or a baby and then also trying to start or maintain a business, it's not an easy task. 
and you're doing it alone. I didn't have a partner. I didn't have anybody picking up the slack when I needed to care for my child or. No, it's difficult. It's, it's really tough. And I think that's what, you know, many women and and families, right. Make those decisions on a day-to-day basis, you know, right. It's, it's interesting because statistically speaking now, I think it last thing I saw was it was like 53% of, of women in the U S are, 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 they're making up a huge portion of the workforce. It's, it's up to 53%. And so I know that's really difficult when you're, you know, when you're having a child and, and starting a new business and it's you and you are alone and, and it's daunting at some points, tell us about what was that business? So it was a personal styling business that I started. So I'm sure you've heard of um, Stitch Fix or Thread Up. Sure. So it's basically, I had this idea of creating outfits for um, individuals and shipping them to them. It's just, it's the same concept of, as Stitch Fix or Thread Up. Okay. And they stole my, they stole my idea. They stole it. <laughs> they did. I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. You should have put a patent. You need a patent. I should have. So you launch your business, you are pregnant, you have your first baby and you decide I can't do this. Right. I just didn't have the, it wasn't the passion for it. I was passionate about it, but I just didn't have the time and I wanted to focus on family. Yeah. And how many children do you have now? Now I have two. Oh. Four and seven. Yeah, that's great. Little boy and girl. Right. So really interesting. Tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, you're a career woman. You're a model actor, started a business, retracted the business, and then you're thrown into the mom's world. What what does that look like for you as a as a person who came out and you're clearly a risk taker? I myself admire you because I am not one that could move across the country. And I had opportunities to do so in my you know younger years. And I just, I just didn't have high anxiety about that. And I admire people who just get up, they pack their bags, they don't know what's there for them and they move. And I, I don't know if that maybe is because I'm from California. So there was so much here, but you know, maybe, you know, like you had mentioned, Missouri, you knew it wasn't for you and you wanted to get out. And I hear that a lot about people who are coming from from Midwest or smaller towns, right? The need to get out and explore and be something and go to New York, go to California. But, you know, now you're here, you're you're in Southern California, you've got children and and what is that like for you on on the day-to-day and, and is your entrepreneurial spirit burning inside you still? Absolutely. It's definitely burning inside of me. I have so many good role models too around me that help motivate me. My husband is one. My mom is one, like I just mentioned before, my sister has her own dental practice. So it's, I think it's, it's in my blood. This is, um, not only is it my blood, but again, I have, you know, my husband who I see on a day-to-day basis that is in private equity. He went to Wharton, um, got his MBA at Wharton, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And I get to bounce ideas off of him. I get to be motivated, motivated by him. He wakes up at four in the morning and goes to bed at nine o'clock. I ask him questions about market strategy and go to market strategy and competitors. And, um, to have that under my belt is, is, is priceless. Um, so that's extremely motivating. And in order to, maintain this, the, the work life balance, 
I think what my motto is just to priority. You, you have to prioritize everything. I have to have an hour of me time every single day, whether that's working out, getting in my infrared blanket, um, sweating it out, going for a long walk or a hike on my own, just so I can like clear my head. I think clarity is so key when you're parenting and then you're also running a business. Right. I think um, to have that Zen time, I'm trying to get more into yoga. <laughs> well, and I think too, you know, as you know, I work full time and, mm-hmm. uh, and always have. And I felt like for me in my situation, I was very present with my children because I had to be, I had to mm-hmm. work. And so, you know, taking a step back, I think it's important to have your own time. And I mm-hmm. think it's really important to be present with your kids and, mm-hmm. you know, put your phone down and be having conversations and engaged. Are you ready to break barriers and become the next CIO in the tech world? Here's the exciting news. We've custom designed a groundbreaking course specifically for female executives interested in becoming CIOs. And the best part, it's absolutely free. This women's leadership course is the first of its kind to support female leaders in technology. The program delves into real life scenarios that CIOs face daily. Whether they're leading small enterprises or vast Fortune 500 companies. So if you're a manager, director, or VP of technology, this course is a perfect fit for you. Current CIOs and technology leaders will take you on a 15-week journey, guiding you through a 360-degree view of what it takes to be a CIO, the pragmatics of implementing IT governance, the foundations of C-suite level project management and portfolios, and so much more. Ready to take a leap of faith in your career? Go to www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program and the link is in the description box. If you want to contribute to a more inclusive and equitable tech world for women, you can start at www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program. Join us in our next course for the Women in Leadership program and be part of this exciting journey. Now back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about your new launches. And, you know, if you went at it alone, what inspired you, right? What, What was the impetus behind this new, you know, company of yours. And then, you know, I'd love to to learn a little bit about it and, and how it was formed and, and how you came to that decision. Right. So COVID unfortunately happened. And when the world started opening up again, that's when my daughter was in kindergarten at Anderson Elementary. And we met the most lovely families within this community and within her school. And the moms in the kinder class, some of the moms in the kinder class, we were like, hey, let's go play this new sport that everybody is loving. Let's play some pickle. Let's play pickleball. So we got this huge group of ladies together, got a personal um, coach and taught us the ropes, like the basics. We were hooked. That first lesson, we were absolutely hooked. We played, I think it was only probably three, four months. And it was a Valentine's Day party, class party. And we sat down. It was myself and a few other, my two other partners. We had a fourth partner and she ended up leaving. So it's the three of us. And then we have a silent partner. And we got our heads together. We're like, let's start a company. Let's start a pickleball company. Originally, we were thinking apparel, sat down, thought about that. 
realize we'd be competing against Adidas, Nike, all these big, huge brands that you can think of. And so we went the accessory route. We have a bag brand. So it's a court and lifestyle bag brand that we started. It's called Volet. And yes, pickleball is what inspired us to start, but our bags are multifunctional. So you can take them to the court, you can take them to tennis, pickleball, padel even, which is the fastest growing sport in the world. Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the nation. Wait, what is the other? I have n- I've never even heard of it. Wait, tell me. So padel, is- it's P-A-D-E-L. It's very popular in Europe and in Spain. Okay. It's hitting the East Coast right now. So it's huge in Florida, New York. I don't know if it will ever ever take over like pickleball is because there's a higher barrier to entry. It's not as easy to play. It's not not as reasonable to play either. What so, so is it like a tennis type? Is it this it's racket? like squash meets pickleball? So you can hit the ball off the four walls around you. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the racket. It's called a racket instead of a paddle instead of a pickleball paddle. So it's called a racket and it's much bigger and heavier than a pickleball paddle. Okay. And so your bags are suit those pat, not paddles, but tell me again what it's not a paddle. It's a the racket. Pickle, there's a pickleball paddle and the padel racket. Padel yeah. racket. Okay. And a okay. tennis racket. So our duffel can fit any of those. Our crossbody, we have a crossbody and it will only fit the racket, the pedal racket, and then the pickleball paddle. Oh my gosh. I'm learning something new. And then you can take those paddles out, that racket out, and you can go to lunch with the ladies. So a lot of our competitors have these, you know, the cutout of the actual paddle on the front of the bag. So you can only really use that bag for the court. Right. And you can't take your racket out. I mean, you could if you wanted, but you can't take your racket out and go to lunch with the ladies or go shopping or travel with the duffel. We tr- you can travel with the duffel. We have a sleeve on the back where you can put it on the back of your suitcase. We have a shoe garage. So it's we really thought about everything. Yeah, I think I need to get this and I don't even play pickleball. <laughs> so I think... So tell me, let's back up. So you're meeting with... You're at the Valentine's party you're meeting together and you say, you know what, let's put together a company. Like, voila, let's let's do this. How, first of all, why didn't you do it alone? And why did you do it? Because I, I think that after trying to start a company on my own, I knew that I needed help. I knew with, I love spending time with my family. I love spending time with my husband. In order to start a company, I think it's only beneficial to have a partner or two. For me, for me, and it had, we've been in business for almost a year now. We started our company almost over a year. And I'm so thankful that I have two partners. Having young kids, a four and a seven year old, if I can't make it to an event or a pop up, or they can fill in for me. If I'm sick, they can fill in. So it's great because I have, we don't have CEO, CFO, we don't have those titles. We have a different, like I have certain accountabilities. I'm like the visionary. I think of like the big picture. I'm social media. I do help with sales, but just minimal. So we have we have our accountabilities. Um, we just don't have that act, those actual like title CFO CMO. Interesting. And so when you all decided let's do this, how did you decide? This is. I'm obviously you have a passion. You have a passion for it, and I'm assuming your partners do as well, right? But yeah. how did you decide, okay, we're not going to go, you had said Adidas, Nike, we're not going to do apparel. 
we're going to do accessories, we're going to do bags, and we're going to make it multifaceted so it can, you know, not only be on the court, but these could be bags that you could purchase. And actually, Kristen, I've seen these bags and they're gorgeous. So oh, just, you're so to, let, Thank just you. to let you know, oh. they're very high quality and they are, they're something that I would, I need to get one actually, even though I'm not a pickleball player, but that Thank I would you. take to, like you'd meant, mentioned, grab, take, put my stuff in the duffel bag, take it to lunch, do those mm-hmm. types of things. So they're, they're quite attractive, but why that bag? Why, what were you thinking? Talk about the creative space and what iterations you all had to go through. And was there immediate consensus? Was it difficult to, at the beginning to, to come together? No, it, it definitely wasn't challenging for, for our minds to come together and like, with the style, the direction of our brand. I felt like it, that kind of fell into place very easily. So we all had this idea of, hey, we love what Aviator Nation does. We love what Paige is doing with her brand. She's living her brand. We love her style, her just her, she's just so innovative. And then we also are very inspired by Blue Scarpa, who Matthew Chavard, and I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. So inspirational. He has a shoe line, um, not just shoes, but jewelry. I think leather, I think I believe it's leather because they're very expensive, $1,000 um, tennis covers. Um, he lives his brand. His branding is just top-notch, premium, top of the line. So we kind of melded those two ideas together, those two brands, and that's where our inspiration came from. And we were all in agreement on that from the get-go. Were there any challenges or have you come across in setting up this new brand, right? You've invested, you've gotten out, you've gotten your organizational structure together. What challenges have you faced, if any, in the launch of this brand? We've um, had a few. We can start off by talking about our broker. It's very challenging and we didn't realize this to find a good manufacturer. And when you ask people who they use for their manufacturing, they're very tight-lipped. They do not share that information. We didn't know this going in. It took us a while to find somebody. We ended up finding somebody through a guy I know that started a company called Uncharted Supply Company. It's like high-end survival kits. And his claim to fame was, was this like 72, it's called a 72 backpack. It will keep you alive for 72 hours. So I was like, hey... He's successful. He was on Shark Tank. He has to know somebody in the manufacturing world. And he did. He passed um, his broker on to us. Our broker is not very efficient. He's very old school. We are so delayed because of him. But I'm so thankful for him. You know, we started with him, right? So I'm kind of conflicted there. We should have had our bags months ago three months ago, four months ago. And we're missing Christmas because of his lack of action, his ability to answer emails in a timely manner. It's just, it's been such a learning experience for us. And we've realized that. And my husband, the businessman that he is, he was right. When we started this business, he's like, you are not going to, you're not going to end up with your first manufacturer. You're going to go through two. You're going to go through three or four. Sure. I truly believe that because we do... We have we need to switch from our current broker. Wow, I- to somebody that has like boots on the ground. And we're in Bangkok right now. Originally, we were in China, and China 
they were just giving us this runaround. They said our second sample was supposed to be in our hands in two weeks, three weeks. It took 12 weeks to get our second sample. So then we changed everything around, went to Bangkok, and now we're in Bangkok. It's really interesting. During COVID, one of my actually high school best friends, um, her name's Michelle Campbell Ross, and um, she was CEO of a large entertainment company. And during uh, COVID, we came together and we thought, you know, we're going to start a um, blouse brand, Linea mm-hmm. is what we came up with the name and patented. And, and it means straight line because we wanted to have women be able from an executive, because we were all on Zoom, right? We weren't in person mm-hmm. and people were just wearing kind of off clothing. It's just some of the times in it from this executive position when you're, you know, meeting with boards and doing those things, it just, it just wasn't right. And we thought, what if we have an executive line? We ran into the same challenge. So we did a lot of research. We went to China and we, you know, started getting prototypes of exactly what we want. There were sweaters, there were blouses, and it just is very difficult, right? Number mm-hmm. one, the just getting down what you want, the quality and going back and forth and back and forth. And then the making the decision, do we want to actually manufacture there? Do we want to manufacture here in the States? Are we going to go outside? But sometimes in the States, and this is where we have, you know, some issues and, and I'm a huge proponent of always doing everything within mm-hmm. the U S right. But the cost of the goods, we're thinking, gosh, nobody's going to buy this blouse for $200 to sit behind a zoom camera, right? Because if we were manufacturing here versus offshoring it. And so it's, it's challenging, but I've heard that story so many times is yes, you're going to, if you get your first manufacturer, you're blessed, but you'll probably go through three, four or five. Mm -hmm. So yes, it is, it is difficult. I know this from personal experience. The ROI isn't their manufacturing in the US, yes. But in hindsight, I do wish that we would have started off with doing a small batch in the US first, sampling it, sampling, you know, our, our two first two styles, seeing how that does, seeing what, you know, the opinions that we get from friends and family. Hey, we like this. We don't like that. And then going for the minimums of 500. Sure. So sure. I feel in, in hindsight, I kind of wish that we would have done that. So for those listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just all learning lessons. It is a learning lesson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. So many aspiring entrepreneurs struggle with the fear, fear of failure. And, you know, you've started two businesses, right? Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you approach, you know, your fear fear of failure? And what advice do you have for those who actually are fearful? That's a very good question. It's not an option for me. And I know that sounds so boring and so overdone, but it really, it really is not, it's not an option for me at this juncture. It isn't. I, I know I did. What does that mean? I failed once. So start trying to start that company on my own, that styling company. I went I went at it alone. And but I, I realized that I think that I realized that it wasn't actually failure. It was just not the right time. So I actually I didn't look at that as a as a failure. Um now with this juncture, I feel like I have all the ducks in the row in a row. I have two amazing partners. And a fourth partner who's a silent partner. He's our e-com and digital marketing guy. It's not a possibility for me. I just, I think that 
looking at all these successful entrepreneurs, Wolf and Shepard, I just had a, um, a phone call with him the other day, the, own, the, the CEO and the founder. His name's Justin. I forget his last name. Just don't give up. Just keep going. Have that grit. And you won't. And that's, that's how I look at this. That's how I look at starting this company and continuing, continuing on. Just try, try again. You know, and again, like every successful entrepreneur that I've ever come across, they have failed because you learn from your failures, uh, right? You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your trials and tribulations. I've only, we've only started this business. It's been over a year and I've learned so much. Yeah. We've had more than one bump in the road. I think I just mentioned one. We've had quite a few and I've learned about a lot about business and a lot about myself. How do you build professional relationships. Like you had mentioned that you were a few times throughout the podcast that you lean into to other people's. One is your husband you mentioned, and, and then this gentleman that you just mentioned in some different brands. Um, you know, how do you build professional relationships? That's a good question. So I'm a sponge. I love asking questions. I love meeting people. I told, told you earlier, I'm a people person. Um, I think that goes back to like my acting days. I think networking and being around the people in your industry is so key. So we we live our brand. It's not just myself, but Ashley as well. And then Casey, we play in tournaments. We rub shoulders with the professional pickleball players, with the executive executives in the pickleball industry. And people already know our brand and we haven't even launched yet. Right. And I remember they know our logo. They're like, oh my gosh, that's filet. I'm like, yep, that's us. So how awesome is that, that we, our bags don't even get here until January and people in the industry already know who we are. That's how you and I came in contact, right? I mm-hmm. got a message, an advertisement, I think it was for your brand. And that's how I ended mm-hmm. up seeing the bags. Um, and of course I know you personally as well, but you know, that's how I knew what you were doing. And not only in our community, but really taking it, you know, and scaling it on a national level, which is so exciting. Tell me this networking, your are are your partners very similar to you? It sounds like you guys have different um roles and capacities, but are you you mentioned you're the visionary? And so yeah. are you the one doing most of the networking or are they also we all do the networking, but so Ashley, I'm the visionary. Casey and Ashley are more sales and Ashley is like the integrator. So she's the integrator. I'm the visionary. And then Casey is like the head of sales. Got it. So again, we don't have the format of CFO, CMO. And we got this through, I don't know if you've heard of traction before. Yes. Yes. So we use traction. We do our L10 every Tuesday. I have to say it's a godsend. It helps us with our accountabilities. It just keeps everything all tidied up and buttoned up. You know, your to-dos, your issues. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting because right before our podcast, I was on an um an L10 meeting. Oh, you were. What that is 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 for our listeners, it's for small, mid-sized, and even large corporations. It's an organizational technique, how to properly set up your business. And then even when you're running a very large organization, ours is a mid-sized company that I have, um, but we rely on it. And so our executive team 
moves through it. We have roles and responsibilities and it's very, very effective. It's, it's, you'll find it under traction EOS. I highly recommend reading the book or, or even doing the audible, but it's a fantastic way for people who are entrepreneurs to set up their organization as well as run their company. I mean, we really run our organization through it. And and several, as I had mentioned on this podcast before, I'm part of YPO, Young Presidents Organization, and several people just in my own forum run their businesses off of traction. So that's great. I didn't know you were on that, but yes, it's helpful. It's very helpful. And it gets through a lot of the minutia. Even for startups. I think almost for startups, I think it would even be better because Mm -hmm. you're starting on the, the right foot and you do away with all the the challenge of having a business, you know, you have different personalities and roles and responsibilities, and then you have to go back and do traction like, like my organization has, and then push it forward. So it's versus starting correctly, starting right. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend it. That's funny. Tell us a little bit about how people can get a hold of you and your partners, what to be looking out for. I'm sure you have your website up. What can they reach you and see you and meet you? Yes. So our bags are actually for sale on our website, thevolet.com. So it's T-H-E-V-O-L-E-E.com. And we're on social media, The Volet, at The Volet. Uh, Please follow our journey. I'm the head of social. So I'm having fun with that. I I love all of our followers and just being able to share our journey with everybody on that. And yeah, so we have pre-sales happening right now. Our bags get in in January at the beginning of January. So yes, we unfortunately we're missing Christmas, but oh, we were okay. able to get 10 of each style and color shipped. They're being air freighted as we speak. I believe they are arriving LA right now. Oh, how exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'll be one of we your will first be customers. Able to fulfill. You're so sweet. We will be able to fulfill some of the orders that we've already had. And we are ahead of our projections right now. And we're, we haven't even launched our company. We're pretty good. We're, we're doing pretty well. Congratulations. Thank well, I'll you. have to I have you it. all back on together, you know, maybe in six months. I would love that. Yeah. So Chris, so my, I'm Kristen and then Ashley Rose and Casey Martin are my two, my two partners. And again, we have a, a silent partner. His name is Lance. Well, we'll have you on and, and, but I, before we go, I'd love to do just kind of rapid fire questions, just five fun facts about you. Um, what's your favorite professional book? Professional book. It's so funny that you brought that up. Um, I actually put traction. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Mine too. Because I've gotten so much out of it and we're using it on a daily basis. So what do you do to relax? I read, I run a ton. I use my higher dose blanket, just sweat out all the toxins. Love that. Trying to get more into yoga and I do TRX all the time. Love it. And your favorite all-time movie? Oh gosh, that's a really hard one. It's hard. I I have so many. I'll just name a few because I I just don't have one favorite. So Notebook, Top Gun, Sex in the City. (laughs) (laughs) And then your favorite music? Your favorite song it could be? Oh, 90s hip hop for sure. Absolutely. That's what I listen to when I work out. Love it. And then um, your go-to destination place. Italy, anywhere in Italy. Mm, I love it. I love it. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm so excited. And we'll have you all back on when your company in six months, your company is booming. It sounds like you're ahead ahead of projections already. So congratulations. Thank you so much, Nicole. This was a pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.